So Carson Price for Friday, October 13th. Say what now? Friday, October 13th. Hmm. It's a scary day. Is it scary or is it unlucky? Which which is it? Well, if it's unlucky, it could be scary. See, somebody's getting good news today. Who's that? I don't know, but like it's a big old world. Lots is happening. Somebody's getting a promotion today. Mm, yeah. It's a Friday. There's a lottery today. Somebody's winning the lottery today. Scary. It's Carison Price coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center. It's not too early to plan your holiday party. 55,000 square feet of striking indoor and outdoor space here at the Wall Center. Call them 604 893 73 70. Matt Sakaris alongside Blake Price, Grady Sass, hitting switches, conducting things. This show, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, celebrating 25 years. We're right now at Infinity in the Richmond Auto Mall. Lease a 23QX50 from 3.49% or 23QX60 from 2.99%. And at Applewood Nissan Richmond, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey. Finance the 23 Rogue from 3.99%. You can lease or finance the 23 or 24 Leaf from 6.99% because, Blake Price, it's all good at Apple. It really is. Love my QX60. Bodog poll question today. Connor Garland, $1.5 million retained for Dante Fabro. Who says no? The Canucks? The Predators? Neither or both? Vote at the Harrison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy. And sports odds. Look, we're one game in, but a lot of people were talking about this in the preseason. Betters. If the Canucks punch above their weight class this year and make it into the playoffs, those sorts of teams tend to be the teams that generate Jack Adams finalists. Rick Tockett is plus 2,500 to win the Jack Adams this year. Yeah, that's not on your Bodog line of the show. day. I like that one. Because if things go well for the Vancouver Canucks, Talkin is going to get a lot of shine there. And, of course, coming off an 8-1 demolition of the Edmonton Oilers. I, even just saying 8-1, did you think we'd be in a world where we're talking about 8-1 over the Edmonton Oilers? Rematch tomorrow in Edmonton. We'll get into roster lineup and all that here in a second. But first, let's get to the, the poll question, Blake. Word coming today from Elliot Friedman that the Nashville Predators could well be a landing spot for Connor Garland, that he's a Barry Trotz, Andrew Burnett type of player. Yeah. I saw Dollywall mention even Winnipeg. Of course, Frank Cerevelli has reported, and we talked to Frank today about it, that in Columbus, Adam Boquist, Jake Bean, Andrew Peak, someone in there is attainable. But on Dante Fabro, Vancouver's Dante Fabro, first-round pick from the Penticton Vs in the BCHL, what do you think? He was a healthy scratch for Nashville's first game. Um, to me, he might be the nicest profile player of the f- few names that we've seen bandied about. Um, Maybe a tad more offensive than Peak. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. you know, and, But not as reliable. Like, Peak plays every night and plays 21 minutes. Like, Fabro has not been that guy. Um, no, but we've seen some... I mean, he played 79 games last year. Mm-hmm. 
It's only three that he missed in 66 the game before, the year before that. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I think it's fair to say that he probably hasn't lived up to expectations no, as that's, a first-round pick. That's fair. But he's a useful NHL defenseman. The question for me is, how big of an upgrade over Noah Jolson is he? Um, he would be incremental, but, you know. Yeah. You know, he's an upgrade, but, yeah. you know, if it's just incremental, you're so, subtracting a guy who's playing on your top line right now, and by any way you cut it, is playing in your top nine. And as we've always said, the underlying numbers on Garland are pretty good. He scored a goal on opening night. And uh, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to move him out, what does that leave on the wings? More well, on this than the welcome. Uh, Eli Mikheyev's uh, health is, is, is key to this. If they're pretty confident that Mikheyev is within days to short amount of weeks away, then I think you can still be pretty confident in, in a move like this. And again, you hope that guys like Pod Colson and Ratu and Hoaglander force you into tough decisions with their play down on the farm. We have yet to see that, but you hope that the depth with youth winger, young wingers, is, is going to make these kinds of moves a little bit easier. But and just, I hear that it's just you're trying to make the playoffs, so you don't really have a lot of room for let's let's throw him out there and hope he develops. Also, retained salary is dangerous. So, very dangerous. Um, you know, you have to give me the details on that retained mm-hmm. salary. A uh, million and a half over three years, not mm-hmm. ideal. Again, we talked about this already with regards to the Columbus uh, stuff. If you're retaining 1.5, then mm-hmm. when the salary cap goes up next year, you essentially are not taking part in that bump because you've already got yeah. OEL back on the books next year with a cut over uh, 2 million. And then you would add whatever, 1.5 here. So you're at about 3.7 of dead cap money. That's about what the cap is going up. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'll say is Nashville has always valued defensemen. Now, you think that continues with Barry Trotz in the GM's chair and David Poyle in retirement? Perhaps that changes, but Nashville has always been, we're going to draft and develop defensemen, then we're going to draft and develop more defensemen, and then when we think we're good at defense, we're going to draft and develop even more defensemen. So you do wonder there. Winnipeg, and let me just put a name out there, I don't have any particular information, but Vili, Vili Heinola, who is hurt and is on season opening injured reserve in Winnipeg, I think there was a hope that he would develop a little more quickly than he has. Mm-hmm. He actually made the NHL out of his draft year in 2019, played eight games for the Jets, played five games for the Jets the next year, then 12 the season thereafter. Just the 10 last year. So it's been a bit of a failure to launch yes, there. Yeah. Was nip and tuck to make the roster at the end of this year. But that's a 22-year-old defenseman with some pedigree. So you do wonder whether there's a deal to be made there or with one of the other Jets. Left shot, though. Defense. He is Should a left shot. Out. Yes, absolutely. He is a... S- smells kind of like a Jack Rathbone, except for Hainola was well, a first-rounder. More size. Yep. No, way more pedigree than Rathbone. But in terms of the and has devel- played way more NHL the games, the development not going to no, to play. I, I understand, but I think he's a cut above Rathbone. Anyways, votes uh, vote as you see fit. That the Canucks are willing to retain money on this does make it an easier trade somewhere, but as Blake points out, it comes with some risk down there, and there's even talk of a sweetener. Let me just say for the record, no. I am absolutely not retaining money and paying a sweetener. 
I mean, it depends on the player coming back. But if we're, yeah, if we're talking about a, a million five retained or even more, then I am certainly not up to paying a sweetener unless the sweetener is a guy who is failing out of this organization, like a Jack Rathbone or something like that, a spare part that it's clear the organization has no no more is use it a, for. That, nobody would view that as a sweetener, though. That would be... No, he was just on waivers for free. Yeah. And um, by the way, seven games difference well, between Hynola and, and He Rathbone. was on waivers for free, but he was on waiver. If you claimed him, you had to put him onto right. your roster. So there is a bit of a distinction. A lot of teams will say, well, we don't want this player on waivers because we don't have room for him on our team, but we'd like him in our organization. Extra contract added, too. Right? That's true. They've got some room there. But of though. course, that would be the case with any sweetener. I, 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 like a true Unless sweetener. Unless it's a draft pick. I, I mean, or an unsigned player writes to um i'd be more inclined to not retain and sweeten at this point and i know we just ranted about peeling off draft picks but mm. to get the to get out from underneath the the bad contract i would almost be inclined to sweeten with a draft pick rather than retain money at this point Teddy Bluger did not practice today, and this is um, this is not turning into a very good story because Teddy Bluger was exceptional in preseason. He was huge on the penalty kill for the Canucks. They didn't miss him in game one, although the Oilers did score a power play goal in four opportunities. So he doesn't look like he is playing tomorrow night. Carson Soucy is the good news story here. He not only skated on his own before practice, but then joined practice in a non-contact jersey. As you'll hear later, Jeff Patterson reports he's moving around pretty good. Again, don't think he's an option for tomorrow, but the initial week-to-week diagnosis that Rick Tockett gave, which he has since amended and saying he's doing better, um, gives you a little more hope for Carson Soucy, and I do think you're going to see him somewhere on this five-game road trip that begins tomorrow in Edmonton then makes its way to Philly, Florida, and finally Nashville. Still no Guillaume Brisebois, and there was uh, a practice goalie. At UBC today, mm-hmm. as Thatcher Demko gets over the flu. And, of course, uh, Casey DeSmith got a little bit of run in his first regular season game with the Vancouver Canucks because of it in period three. Yeah, it's been um, a little bit of adversity, a little bit of um, of, a, of a mess in terms of moving parts here to start the season. I mean, if they can come away, and I'll use soccer parlance here, where they result, if they get a point in Edmonton at least... I yep. mean, given all that they've had to sort of balance and keep up in the air, I mean, that's, that'd be pretty good. So, hey, Blake, if you get your 41 road points and you're able to take care of business at home, that's a playoff team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you're just even just a not even a smidge over 500, I think you want to be eight to 10 games above 500 at home, ideally. And then mm-hmm. if you're 500 on the road, you're right. Yeah. And let's face it, this is a tough place to play. This is their opening night, the Oilers. And as we know, Connor McDavid's a little bit sour about the Canucks running up the score in the third period. Leon Dreisaitl today said in Edmonton, you know, early in the season, maybe it's a good thing to be, quote, smacked a little. You believe this? Yeah. The Ironic. Oilers, the, Oilers, from him. the Oilers stars complaining about the Canucks running up the score. Dreisaitl using the word smacked. Yeah. Ironic coming from him. That guy loves to smack people guys around with his stick well yeah slashes he gives out is absolutely ridiculous and the cross track late in the third but it's it's also kind of funny like because you you hear that from uh, teams sometimes it's good to get 
beaten good because it kind of is a smelling salt. It's game one of the season. That's <laughs> true. Save that for February when you're in the doldrums and you get whacked to wake yourself up. It's Fair game enough. one. Yeah. Well, but and, and that's why I think it's a bit of a hornet's nest that the Canucks are heading into. Oh tomorrow. no, this is a big test. You're 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 going to face a very angry team with a crowd behind them with a lot of motivation. And in fact, we talked about this on Rinkwide on Wednesday with J. Pat Blake. When you look at this opening six games of the Vancouver Canucks schedule, I think it was highly important that they got that win on opening night because that game and the game in Philly are probably the best chances for a win. It's going to be hard tomorrow. Florida is no picnic whatsoever. I mean, the defending Eastern Conference champions and a team that's been to three of the last four Stanley Cups. Although their decor is in shambles right now. Uh, but is it with Oliver Ekman Larson playing 26-32? What was the score? Including 940 of the third period what was in the what score? was described as an excellent debut they lost with the Florida nothing. Panthers. They lost 2 nothing. Well, but two, Grady. They only gave up two. A loss is a loss. Think of how many they were giving up with OEL on the ice last year here. No, no. A loss is not a loss if you're only giving up two with Oliver Ekman and Art Larson. On your first pair. Playing a half an hour. No. And Forsling's with them. Is it an all-Canucks? Ex-Canucks first pair? Yep. From the hockey news. Look at the rest of that decor. It's yeah, a bunch of randoms you probably haven't really heard of. No, it's, I've not heard of anybody there. It's that defense course. The quote else from the hockey news on OEL, it was a continuation of everything we'd seen during camp as he gobbled us up ice time in all situations and looked just as solid in Florida's end as he did on the power play. It's crazy. So those games will be difficult. And then the game in Nashville, and look, Nashville might be down, non-playoff team last year, but they have one of the great goaltenders in the world. Right? Got a shutout last night. Yeah. So you're going to have to beat UC Soros to end the trip in Nashville. And then, as we always know, and you know, this is a learning of 10, 12 years ago, 12 years ago, with our friend Pat Byrne, the sleep doctor, that first game back to the West Coast on Pacific time after a long trip, and I know they have two days, but that St. Louis Rangers back-to-back home games on the 27th and 28th, you wonder where the body clocks are, you wonder where... Everybody is coming off the trip. So, very good win for the Cox, and I, I would argue a, a needed one to avoid yet another dreadful start to the season. Now, the other thing I wanted to get into with the Canucks. There's more? There's always more, Blake Price. Again, with this team, that's usually a fair statement. It's usually the case. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess it's just because it was the first game of the season and people are forgetful. Mm-hmm. But I saw all the hue and cry about John Shorthouse not doing the game on Wednesday. And he's not doing the game tomorrow either. And we'd like it to be different. I would much prefer if the powers that be at Rogers anoint John as more of a national guy and put him on Canucks broadcasts when the Canucks are in the national game. Thus far, that hasn't been the case. So it's Shorty on Tuesday in Philadelphia, which is now a 3 p.m. start, everybody. That was the other thing, Blake. The uh, Philadelphia Phillies on their way to the National League Championship Series. So the Flyers game moving to 3 p.m. They're trying to get out of the way. Right. I applaud this. Well, who doesn't applaud this? And that's truly one of the good hockey towns in the USA. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a lot of them, but the Flyers punch above what most NHL teams punch within their given there's market. There's a culture. There's a history. There's absolutely yeah. all, there's all those things. There's yeah. an identity. Yeah. 
there's the great unis. They're typically there's, pretty. Those it, pants. It's there's a, gritty. There's gritty. Torts. There's Cooperalls. There's torts. Kind of hot. And, 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 there, and I, I went to one game at the Spectrum as a teen in the upper deck, and wow, that is some upper level. For a Philadelphia in Philadelphia for the hockey game, those people are out for blood. So, anyways, adjust your calendars, your watches. Get off work early if you need to. Three o'clock Tuesday from Philadelphia. Does that mean I get work off early? Never. Oh shit! Hold on. Watch your tongue. We have gotten some feedback on the amount of curse words on this show. A gentleman with the last name Sass, first name Frank, spelled exactly like yours. Zan, guys, a little less cursing on the show. And then you pipe in and drop an mm. S word. I'm not going to say you. it. What was your punishment as a child for when you used to swear in the house, Grady? Were you grounded? Was it soap in the mouth? No dinner? Cuss jar. No. Cuss jar. I didn't really swear much as a kid. It's when I got into the media, I started right. getting that. Right, yeah, we caught you. Yes, yeah. 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 Right. Okay. I thought everybody on TV was so prim and proper. And then one day I was uh, was like, take your kid to work day or whatever. And a cousin of mine took me to the CTV National News Bureau in Ottawa. And I saw all these people I'd been watching on television and heard how they spoke off camera. Wow. Yeah. That was D- eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Rick Dollywall. There you go. Uh, anyways, we got a little uh, out of hand yesterday with the curse words with Patrick Johnson. I blame PJ. We'll be better today. Here's a one-off. Come on. Well, I would say that. Three off. BC Lions in Hamilton, and speaking of those early starts, a 4 o'clock kickoff for the Lions. I know they're having a watch party down here at Red Card downtown. Again, Hamilton is fighting for second place in the East here, so they have a lot to play for. And if the Lions do lose this game, then you can start planning Saturday, November 4th, 3.30 p.m. for the West Semifinal. The BC Lions will host it. Playoff tickets are on sale right now. Of course, we don't know if it'll be Saturday the 4th and the West Semi or Saturday the 11th and the West Final, although one more BC loss or one more Winnipeg win delivers the Lions to the Semi for the second straight year. They will host that football game. Might as well keep it interesting, right? Might as well, might as well yeah, kick the can like down the said, road. Uh, Winnipeg's on a bye this week, so get your win this week. Then force Winnipeg to go out and beat Edmonton next week. And if they can't do that, then hey, now we're... You're down a break in the set, but might as well win your next next service game and see what happens. Right. Yeah. Soccer, where the Canadian men's national team continue to disappoint, and in a big way. In fact, this team has really done nothing but disappoint for the better part of a year. Going back to the World Cup last, because if I'm not mistaken, their tune-ups weren't all that great even last year. They get obliterated in Japan today. Over at the half. In a friendly 4-1. They miss another PK, although this time... They chose the right... Well, the last two. They, I mean, Laren has now missed one recently, yeah. and so is David. Jonathan David. This is under the interim coach... Moro Biello. The starting 11 with no Estacchio or Tejan Buchanan available to them featured Samuel Piet, Jonathan Osario, and former Whitecap Derek Cornelius. That's so really not exactly, nice for those three players, yeah, but... <laughs> not exactly... Your best 11. 
But there, there were better choices. I, I would have mixed in Matthew Schoenier, who's having an MVP season for CF Montreal. He's, he was supposed to start. Like they said yesterday in the presser, he was supposed to start. Like I, I, that I, I, I don't get at all. Mm-hmm. Like a guy's in form, playing like Osorio's had a miserable season team wise. Can't be in the right headspace right now. Schweiner's kicking on all cylinders. Put him in, and he's probably got some chemistry left over from his time with Kone. Well, there's a number of CF Montreal players on this yeah, team, including Pierre, <laughs> our former. And a reminder. Whitecaps idle this weekend, but you're pulling for the Colorado Rapids against all hope in Dallas against FC Dallas. If Dallas is able to win their last two matches and Vancouver loses, tell AFC next week, then Dallas would leapfrog them. And you are absolutely rooting for uh, the LA Galaxy tomorrow against Real Salt Lake. That's the other Western Conference team. That one's got a chance to happen. That's the other Western Conference team that right now is below Vancouver in the standings but does have the game in hand. The two games in hand are played out this weekend. So go Galaxy and go Rapids to see if we can get home field advantage for the Vancouver Whitecaps, which would mean a possibility of two playoff games at BC Place in a best-of-three opening round against whomever their opponent's might be decision day is really fun i looked ahead on the schedule because it's next sunday right? caps want um a lot of help right on the out-of-town scoreboard on decision day um and you know they're 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 key matchups like they want houston to lose houston's playing portland who are on the line right right now to get into the top seven to avoid the playing game so portland wants to win that's gonna be a great one seattle's got st louis st louis is not really playing for anything but they're just a good team so that's still that's still going to be an interesting one and to I watch. And I love that they play them all at the same time. Yeah. So that you don't have any team that can shut it down because results in other matches have allowed them to clinch or maintain position or whatever the case whatever the case may be. So plenty of sports happening right now. It's an incredible time to be a sports fan. I know I was texting with our buddy Terry McKegg last night watching the Phillies-Atlanta game. We we both agree. Those Philly baby blue unis and the maroon hat with the white P. Yeah, those are iconic. No, they're oh, very good. Like, why do they wear good. those wretched star adorned red ones with the blue P on the cap? Nobody likes those. I no. like the off white with the red and blue. You get, you're not a fan of those. Mm, it's okay. No, I like I like I I, I like them in, well, in to the, each their own. I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's all a matter of taste, right? Yep. Yep. Last time we were in Philly, I bought a Phillies hat, like a kind of a cool retro, yeah, seventies, yeah. eighties hat. Like Those was, ones. They are have sharp. good gear. They have yeah. a good color scheme. That was a fantastic logo. I know they all want to sell so much merch, and you want to appeal to kids and stuff like that. But gosh, you know, I I, I want to see Harper I, get a championship here. I don't, this guy's electric. I don't ever root for these teams, but there's something to be said for the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees and the Montreal Canadiens in hockey who just, this is our logo and we are not moving off it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That they stand the test of time, that they're comfortable in their own skin, that it's not about, oh, do we want every dollar? We're going to go and change what has been a hundred-year tradition here in pursuit of a few extra shackles because we may be able to sell this 
reverse retro or all the different themes and names we now have. And look, in a lot of cases, fill your boots. But, you know, if, if you got that sort of culture, history and identity and watching the Phillies game last night, I found myself going, why have they ever moved off? Of that uni and that logo and that color scheme. Anyways, lots of fantastic sports happening right now. Greta Bar, great spot to catch the game throughout the game, throughout the season, throughout the weekend, whether it's playoffs or it's regular season. Also a great place to chill in the offseason. I know our friends at Canucks Army will be there tomorrow night. Hoping to stop by myself. Fabulous menu, too. All sorts of different foods. It's uh, not your typical sports bar. Go check it out. Let's get to today's menu brought to you by AG1. And uh, make sure that you've taken care of your foundational nutrition. And it takes two seconds with the AG1. Drinkag1.com forward slash Sakaris and Price. You'll get a special offer. Start taking care of yourself. Frank Saravelli joins us as he does Every Friday now during the hockey season, we talk about the Connor Garland trade request and possible fits. We talk about Abbotsford's Devon Taves, who gets a rich new contract today from the Colorado Avalanche, and yet some people feel he left money on the table. He's turned into an extraordinary defenseman, whether with Kale McCarr or on his own. Frank was at the baseball game last night. He's Philly based, big Philly fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about 17 skaters, four teams going 17 skaters on opening night, including the Canucks and Oilers. And we talk about Project Buffalo, which in the vein of the Ottawa Senators, in the vein of the Atlanta Braves and Alex Anthopoulos, are on this model where they are re-signing guys even a year or so into their NHL careers for long-term extensions, knowing we're paying them more now. But in a few years, they're going to look like bargains. They did that with Owen Power, Rasmus Dallain. Well, Dallain. Means, means all you have to do every summer is just eat at the margins. You know, just sign your fourth line players. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's quite a luxury if you can do it, especially with the cap going up too. Yes, like those could look like bargains. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including it's too quiet in Toronto for some, for some's liking, and JPAT. From UBC and Vancouver Canucks practice, uh, Garland, winger depth, Susie, goaltending, Stanika, Ronick and Hughes again tomorrow. It's the other thing. Talk had sort of allowed that he was going to split Ronick and Hughes tomorrow in Edmonton without last change. He was asked specifically in the presser after the game Wednesday, and he sort of was like, yeah, I, I think we're going to have to probably do that. They were together at practice. What would you do tomorrow in Edmonton? I'm going to keep them together until really? until there's no reason to uh, split them. I'm split them because I want one of those guys on the ice, 197 and Leon. But again, the beauty of this sport is change it up after the first. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect... And I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Wasn't long ago that a perceived strength of the Vancouver Canucks was on the wings. That was before Bo Horvat was traded and JT Miller moved to center full-time. That was before Brock Besser became more playmaker than finisher. Now... Opening night notwithstanding here, we'll see. Maybe he's back to being a goal scorer. And that was before a couple of prospects, Vasily Putkols and Nils Hoaglander, 
took backward steps in their development. Now, with Connor Garland wanting out, the Canucks are left with an interesting decision. Well, there may well be a deal to be made with Columbus or Nashville for a defenseman, even a right-handed defenseman. The club has to consider weakening, weakening itself on the flanks. Minus an injured Ilya Mikheyev, and who knows how much time he'll need to get back to being the player he was. That's a pretty significant injury and surgery. A lot of guys will tell you that whole next year, first year back, they don't necessarily feel right. So we'll see how much time it takes Mikheyev to get back. And in his absence right now, Garland is playing on the top line with Pedersen. Scored a goal on opening night. With Pud Colson in the minors, and Hoaglander still not trusted beyond fourth-line duty, Subtracting Garland actually puts a lot of pressure on Phil DiGiuseppe and Anthony Beauvillier in the top nine. So they're not as deep as they used to be there, although we'll see. Maybe Sam Lafferty can be part of the solution, possibly play a little further up the lineup. In most cases, of course, getting a defenseman for a winger, that's good trading. But for the Canucks, the upgrade on defense has to be substantial if they're going to further deplete winger depth. That's welcome at for today. We invite your feedback, feedback channels as follows on email live at secaresomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter at Matt Sikaris, at Price. And the welcome at a presentation of Great Clips. Download the app today. Find a salon near you. And there are 37 of them in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or Workshop Spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. All right, now you can head to Applewood Kia, that's in Surrey or Langley, and finance the 2024 Sportage. It's a, it's a brand that's synonymous with Kia, isn't it? The Sportage from 5.99% plus Nero EVs and EV6 in stock right now because it's all good at Applewood. But our poll question, Connor Garland with $1.5 million retained. For Vancouver, Vancouver's Dante Fabra with the Nashville Predators. Who says no? The Canucks, the Preds, neither, both. You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter, Bodog your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. And Blake, I'm going back to the well, baby. My favorite well. After the big win last week on Thursday night football, Bears have had that extra rest. There's a lot of talk at Hallis Hall that Justin Fields and the coaching staff have figured each other out. Two straight 280-yard passing performances with four touchdowns. And you get them at home. Plus three. 
against Kirk Cousins, the sad sack Minnesota Vikings, minus receiver Justin Jefferson. Bears on your Bodog line of the day. And yes, I feel like the SNL skit super fans. <laughs> minus the accent. Duh. Bears. And the heart, and the heart attack. Joined now by NHL insider Frank Saravelli of Daily Faceoff and the Frankly Speaking podcast. How are we doing, Frank? I'm good, guys. How are you? Oh, of course you're good. He was at the Phillies clinching game last night. Congratulations to you and he, your ball club. Yeah, it's a wild time to be a Philly sports fan. Uh, Eagles undefeated. Uh, Phillies off to their second straight NLCS. It's been absolutely electric here. And I, I'm really excited because the NLCS doesn't open until Monday and Tuesday next week. I bet you that with the Canucks in town, there will be some Canucks, including Rick Tockett, at that baseball game. You're dunking, oh. you're dunking with the Eagles and the Phillies. How are the, uh, how the Flyers looking uh, this year, Frank? Undefeated as well. <laughs> well Want to know yes, after yeah. a big victory against yeah, not, Columbus. Uh, not, I, I, I think they're going to exceed some expectations, and I know that sounds funny to say for a team that traded some players away. Mm-hmm. They're getting Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson back. Like right. they're, they're not going to be that much worse, so – and John Torrella squeezes every drop out of his teams. Like I, I've been saying forever, not because he's a bad guy or anything like that. He's the worst coach for a team that's trying to rebuild because mm-hmm. pe- he's actually probably pretty good at his job. Yeah. Although people in the lower mainland might not agree. Well, I mean, there was that one incident here. That well, one, there was that one year. <laughs> but yeah. he also admitted, Frank, in terms of his uh, resume year in Vancouver, he says – I'll admit, I my heart and head was not in the Vancouver job. He was still reeling from losing the Blue Shirts job, and so he, yeah, uh, it was in Point Roberts. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah right. exactly. literally. And, and honestly, Frank, like we still to this day get that question: Well, it was your year with Tortorella. Like, it was great. Was, Blake and I did not have a single no, problem yeah. with him all year. He uh, he was fantastic. He was there at the appointed time. Yeah. He answered the questions, yeah. uh, and of course, he uh, he. Uh, Saved a lot of local dogs. Much better times these days, Frank, after an 8-1 win. This this market is just the feet up, pina colada in guys, hand here. I told you guys, I, I think the Canucks are going to be good. And look, one game and one very lopsided game at that. But I can't help but like the energy, the the way that they had attention to detail compete. Um, they were ready to play. And they they squared off against an Oiler team that hasn't really had much to think about. Uh, posted through the preseason, the expectations are there. And to open, you know, you have a fight in the first few minutes, and then you hit the Oilers in the face with a two-by-four. That's how you start the year. It's a good launching pad. It's a really good launching pad. Um, well, did you hear McDavid's comments? They were, he was a little sour uh, about the power play going out late with a 6-1 lead. What are you expecting tomorrow night in Edmonton? Uh, you know, it's funny that you said that because I was. we were just talking off camera about Bryce Harper seizing on the Arcia comments. When you are at McDavid's level and, and the Harper level and Michael Jordan and whoever else is there, it's a of small pantheon you need something to get you excited for game two of 82 and getting drubbed on the road to start your year is one thing but being upset about like we're not like we're not playing pogs here like this is for keeps (laughs) and it's the nhl like what do you expect and it's also a team in vancouver with really wonky special teams the last few years the power play has been okay but 
why not? Like I'm putting like, I love it from Rick Tockett. Like, Hey, we're sending you a message. We're here and we ain't going anywhere. We're not just going to take our foot off the gas because you want us to. Just to be clear, Pogs are the little plastic coins. Is that what Pogs were? Remind me. Yeah, it's like uh, 1993. I'll just transport <laughs> you back there. Yeah, you used to yeah. carry a, a plastic tube of them on the school bus and you'd play with your buddies. And you always had like one that was like a metal one and it was called the hammer. Oh. And if you, if you slammed oh. it down, you, uh, yeah, you could you play for keeps. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you got to take the other kids' Pog and take them home with you. Yeah, I awesome. vag- vaguely remember this. So I got I, – I think we played marbles like that. Yes, yes, time. exactly. Marbles uh, and slinkies. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, we're old. We're old. Yeah. Harris, you just <laughs> dated yourself. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Dig out a little hole in the mud and then roll marbles towards it. Anyways, yeah. Uh, Connor Garland, what are you hearing? Nothing new. Uh, I think this is one of those stories that's probably going to settle down for a bit. Look, the best way to move on for both sides is to play really well and. I like the statement uh, on opening night. Really nice little nifty play. I've been really consistent in my comments around Connor Garland since he arrived in Vancouver. It's he has openly kind of said, especially after that first season, that he hasn't really felt comfortable. I think there's a good player in there. I think there's a guy that works his ass off and competes. And I think he plays a lot bigger than he is. But at a certain point, if you aren't comfortable and you know that the team is trying to trade you and move on from you as they have been for really since Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin took over, kind of makes it hard for you to want to be there, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So like, I, I think this is a two-way street, a two-part problem. No one is um, absolved of anything in this little mess. and it's a contract that right now is just incredibly difficult to move. We've seen a a reduction in value of wingers on the grand, you know, the macro level of the market. And for guys that don't drive play, it's hard to pay, you know, wingers in the five to $7 million range. It just, it doesn't happen as much anymore. So um, I think he can be a competitive guy. I think the Canucks are going to have to just grin and bear it right now. Yeah, I, I was going to ask the change of agent to Judd Moldaver. Is, is that going to affect the price of bread here at all? Is he going to have more success than the previous agent in terms of finding a new home? I don't think so. I don't think the the agent, unless they're coming in and going full on, you know, you know, sending out statements and and burning it to the ground, which like is not Judd Moldaver's style. Um, I don't think it makes a difference if your agent is Blake Price or Peter Cooney in Boston like he had previously or whoever it might be. It doesn't matter. I don't think it's going to change the current contract. And by the way, like players can change agents. Like you, they're, they work for you. Like it's, it's up to you to do that and never going to knock anyone for that. But Last time I checked, the Connor Garland contract for the player, like pretty good. Peter, Peter Cooney, yeah, he yeah, did a pretty decent job. He did a re- really decent job. Yeah. Uh, I, I've seen you talk about the Columbus surplus on defense. Do you think there's a possibility of these two sides getting together? And then talk to me about Nashville, where Dante Fabro's a healthy scratch. Yeah, on night. the Fabro one, maybe not as big a surprise. They're like Fabro, I think, is one of those guys that. 
when David Poyle was outgoing, I had him on the Frankly Speaking pod and um, I said, did you accomplish everything that you wanted here in this teardown? And he said, five out of six. And I said, all right, well, who's the sixth guy? I said, well, I can't tell you that. He's still here. Um, well, now you know. Yeah. And I, I, you know, he's in that same pay scale and range as the guys that the Columbus Blue Jackets are trying to move. Bokvis was the healthy scratch in Columbus. I think they're open to moving um, Jake Bean and Peak as well. They're there anything in that two to two, three, two, five range. If you're playing on the bottom pair, that's not necessarily ideal and definitely not ideal for a guy that's teetering on the six, seven range. So um, in that sense, I kind of feel like it's the last thing the Canucks need is to add a guy that may be slightly overpriced or overpaid. You'd have to really be a big believer in the defenseman in order to go out and do it. Maybe you could make the argument if you feel like Boakvist is young enough that you can see some change. For me, he's he's too small. He's undersized to really be that guy. Um, but I I think I'd be a lot more interested in peak. And we have to keep in mind, too, if if it's going to take some time to hammer out one of these deals, they might be better off waiting for Ethan Bear, who will come in at a much cheaper cost than the, the prices you're talking about, Frank. And we know there's a relationship there and a, and a mutual desire to make something happen there. But that's going to take a couple of months to, to obviously come to fruition. With regards to, to Garland's play, what do you think is... Um, a rehabilitation period for the asset. Um, if he gets off to a good start, what what do other GMs want to see? 10 good games, 20 good games? Does yeah, I think need you to- need a good quarter of the season. Yeah. I think that's probably fair, and, and it, it would need to be at a pace that sort of vastly exceeds the contract in order to get someone excited because it's not this year at 495 that's really the problem. It's the two additional years after right. this one that – are problematic. So um, part of it will depend on price. Like that's really the big thing that could change. Um, Whereas before the Canucks were having to, they would have to pay someone to take on the deal. If maybe they could get to a spot where it's just take him off of our hands for free. um, I don't know. That just changes the perception around the league too, that, you know, he'd probably need to be on like a 70 some point pace in order to be like, damn, this guy could really help us. Frank, does the NHL care about all these shorthanded teams on opening night of the season? Do they care that uh, teams were, were not only not at 23 men rosters per se uh, in terms of healthy bodies, but, th- you know, they had to go with 17 skaters on opening night. Do they just say, hey, you made that bet? I, I think that's their response is we set the limit. No one told you to go above it. Right. Um, and I get that perspective. I personally think it's a bad look for the game. I think a fourth consecutive year of frozen flat salary cap is it's good for no one. It's not good for the teams. It's not good for players. Like let's say uh, pick a team that um, has really been in, in jail these last few years. I think of Toronto. I think of teams that did it right and properly mapped out their salary cap in 2018 and 2019 and said, we're going to reach and spend on all these guys, but we're going to get a 3 4 5% increase every year along the way that's going to help these contracts work. And then all of a sudden, the rug's pulled out from under you and it doesn't increase at all. How are you supposed to get by? How are you supposed to then reshape the bottom half of your roster? You, you got to go bargain basement been hunting to try and make it all work and it's it's just 
one year, fine. Two years, okay. Four, the NHL and NHLPA should have negotiated something this past summer that would have gotten this moving in the right direction because the $50 million that's due and owed from players to owners, it'll be paid off before the month of October is over. That's, that's how insignificant the sum is. And not only is this painful for players right now and teams, but the fact that the cap didn't increase last summer and now the next two seasons, according to the CBA, are tied to a, a very you know specific increment of 5% increase, it means that you've also now cut back the number that it will be for these next two years. And so I don't think the NHL is upset because they're like, we've got the best cost certainty going, especially as the cap is relinked to revenue. Yeah. Uh, with you 100% on getting that player debt paid off, it should have increased the cap this past summer. Uh, Abbotsford's Devon Taves has a new deal with the Colorado Avalanche. There was some wondering whether Colorado would go this route, given the age of the player. Tell us how all that came together. I think it was hard to deny Devon Taves that kind of deal. Like it became a point where, you know, seven years might maybe feel like a bit of a reach, but if you're the Colorado Avalanche and you can win two more Stanley cups in that time period, you're like, yeah, whatever. We'll deal with years six and seven when we need to. I I love it. I think it's a real reasonable number for a guy that you can count on to put up 50 points. And I think he's so much more than that to the abs. It's not just the production. He's he's really the yin to, you know, the yang of of Kale McCarr. Not that there's a lack of balance there or anything like that, but there those two play it in it's a symphony, the way that they work together. And I, it's just really special to have that. And when you get it and you're comfortable with it, you try and do everything you can to keep it. And I don't think anyone's looking at seven and a quarter for the next seven years and being like, yeah, that's rich. It's only going to get better. Well, and in that vein, Frank, um, Blake and I have been fascinated by what's going on with the Buffalo Sabres. And you mentioned you're at the baseball game last night. It was the Atlanta Braves and their Canadian general manager a couple of years ago who said, to hell with the young, cheap, controllable years for all these young stars that we have. Let's sign them long-term. We'll pay more for them now, but we'll be paying less for them several years down the road, and we'll have them under control. Buffalo seems to be taking a page from Alex Anthopoulos here in the way they're conducting their business. Tell us what your feelings are on it, and tell us whether you think they're onto a new paradigm here in the Well, NHL. they're actually following the Ottawa Senators. That's right. They're, they're kind of doing it too. Yeah. Yeah. They're the doing Sens it too. The were the original team that just said, we're going to get every single guy we can as part of the fabric of our team to commit to us. And, you know, maybe the first year or two of those deals, you're feeling a little pinch between the shoulder blades, but it's, you know, the, the middle part of these contracts and, and like, look at, um, some of these guys, like look at the Jack Hughes deal in New Jersey. We were just talking about this on daily face off live. Two goals to start the season, 99 points last year. And he signs that eight times eight deal. And you go, at the time, I was like, why did you have to commit to that? He had a cup, like a 50 point season and a 30 some point season. It was kind of like a very, if you just look purely at numbers, a very Nathan McKinnon like start to his career for a number one overall pick. And you go, man, that felt so early. Like he could have went out and had another season like that. And he still would have paid the same thing. But then he has the 99-point season, and it's at eight. And in such short order, I think right now you're looking at it and you're going, 
that deal is an absolute steal. It's an Nathan McKinnon deal. You're exactly right. It's an Nathan McKinnon deal. But think about what it's going to look like five years from now or three years from now when the cap is a hundred million. They're literally laughing. So the Sabres and Sens have taken the same approach. Tim Stutzla is already in the same category as, as Jack Hughes in terms of elite play. And now the Sabres got their guys on the back end locked up with, I, I think the Darlene deal, even at 11, is good. It's a different situation than power, but he had 73 points last year, and he's these guys are, everyone on their team's locked up that matters through 2030. 2030, do you know how far away that sounds? Oh, I know. That doesn't even sound like a real year. Are we going to be, are are we going to have flying cars? Are websites still going to even exist? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Will there be podcasts? I have no, we we don't know the answer to any of these questions. I don't know what I'm doing next week, but the Sabres know who's going to be playing on their blue line until 2030. That's powerful. Yeah. And I guess the only risk is if any of these guys fall off the table. Right, if the level or injury strikes, and suddenly you're looking a at big a, risk, a like Jake Sanderson, of, right? Like that was a big one player. in Ottawa, right? A big risk. But it, I would tell you, it's not. I would tell you that he last year alone, he was. If you take the ELC aside, he was already close to an eight and a half million dollar level in production and and play and and all the different areas of the team that he touched. So. For me, I, I'm I don't think it's crazy at all. I, it's exactly how I would be doing it if I were yep. in charge. Great stuff, Frank. Have a wonderful weekend. Take good care of our Canucks when they're through Philly next week, and uh, enjoy the baseball. Yeah, thanks, guys. See ya. Singer's Price from All Center. At a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags is the best and worst of Twitter.com. It's brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. If you have a great rate on your mortgage, still need equity out of your house. Jason has a solution where you keep your great rate, you access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. If your mortgage is up in the next six months, now is the time to reach out. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. At Province Sports, could the SFU Red Leafs make NCAA Division I men's hockey work? Um, the Steve Ewan story enclosed, uh, talking about how uh, longtime uh, coach Mark Coletta, who's been there since I believe 08, um, keeps dropping them into these NCAA friendlies. Uh, they've already played uh, University of Michigan. That one didn't go well, an 8-1 loss, but they just played Colorado College, uh, and that was only a 6-3 loss, and they've got the doubleheader in January against BU and BC out in Boston as well. They're doing the math. They're going to self-fund it if they can get the go-ahead. They are pushing. Because they're a Division Two team and there's no such thing as Division Two hockey, they immediately get bumped up to Division One mm. um, if they can make the program work. And um, I, I know people will say, well, they're just choosing hockey over football. That might just make some sense in the end uh, from a budget standpoint. Football's a lot more expensive a sport to put on. Uh, I'd like it not to be instead of. I'd like it to be in addition to, but um, that might remove some of the sting if they replace one major program with another. Well, two things. Number one, it would not be inexpensive to run hockey from Vancouver, B.C., because you'd be traveling a whole lot. Like, it's not like you've got a lot of programs in the Pacific Northwest that you can take the bus down to. Uh, Secondly, you wonder whether self-funded means 
Simon Fraser University alum Francesco Aquilini getting involved from a financial standpoint and with, of course, the addendum of the practice facility up Burnaby Mountain on campus, uh, I, which we I, heard about from our friend David Quadrelli of Canucks Army. I, I, I will buy you a massive steak dinner. Good. If the Canucks have a practice facility on Burnaby Mountain. I, I think every every part of the story you outlined is totally makes sense, okay. except for the arena on top of Burnaby Mountain. You know what, Grady? Mm. Clip it. You're on. <laughs> You're on. Okay. All right? Yeah. Do we have a timeline on this? Yeah. What's the parameters uh, of this? It has to be announced in the next we six months. We need some terms and conditions of this mm. deal. Next six months. Oof. Well, I sort of want the next year. The next year. Split like the difference. Ten, of ten months. I'll give you ten months. Best I can do. Uh, ten months from so October mid, 13th. So that's August then. That's mid-August mm-hmm. next year. Okay, I, you know did, what? Did Rutherford not say they would have something in place yeah, later this year? but I have a feeling that was Rutherford's way of sort of maybe... Pushing the file. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe hoping to kickstart some things. He kind of did that with the Rogers Arena uh, renovations, too. Mm-hmm. He sort of announced those before anybody yeah, had okayed yeah. it. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I'll bite. Ten months. Steak okay. dinner. All right. At Offside DH. <whistles> quote, get off your butts. We don't do a lot of leaf stories here, but this one th- this one is worth your while. Well, it resonates for any sports fan, I think, really. Joe Bowen rips quiet Leafs fans at the home opener. The 40-year-plus play-by-play voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs on the broadcast against the Montreal Canadiens the other night, quote, once again, I've got to give the crowd here a thumbs down. I know Toronto audiences are different, different, but my gosh, really? Get off your butts and stand up. They should have had the crowd in here from the last exhibition game. They were terrific. The Globe and Mail's Cahal Kelly wrote, Toronto does crowd noise the way Utah does Oktoberfest, <laughs> which is a great <laughs> line. A bad line. Um, Blake, now, first of all, um, what are they calling it now? Scotiabank Arena. Center. Center. Is it Arena or It does have these um, Richie Rich lounges, like. Rogers Arena's just gone, mm-hmm. so that a lot of the club seats people go and retire down to their Hunger Games lounges. Yes, for, exactly. Yeah. So it, it is. You don't judge the crowd there in the opening minutes of any period because everyone is still filtering up from their Richie Rich lounge. But I couldn't believe that there were empty seats. The place was stone silent during player introductions. It is clear that that crowd is over the regular season mm-hmm. and is like, can we start the playoffs already? Yeah. And you get this with teams that are perennially in the playoffs but don't necessarily advance as, as far as they hope. The regular season becomes a bit of a slock. The regular season is pretty anticlimactic with everybody just wondering, is this the year they can finally get past well, in the past there, it's been round one, but of course now round two. Supposedly, when Matthews had scored his hat trick, there weren't a lot of hats hitting the ice. And they were falling from the upper deck down, so it took a while. But Well, because, Grady, nobody is wearing hats in the lower bowl because they're <laughs> in their suits because they've made their way over from Throw Bay their Street. Ties. They're finally quaffed hair. 
Yeah. Yeah, throw their combs. Plus, do you know how expensive Leaf tickets are? Oh. You want to throw a hat? That's another $20. I, I took my dad one year when he came out to Toronto, and it was like a Sens-Leafs game on a Tuesday night. We were up in the corner of the upper bowl. It was like 165 each. I, I remember people saying during the Sedin era that the place was um, quiet, but I I never thought that was very fair, to be honest. I've always thought that Rogers Arena was was pretty noisy. It's not as loud as other buildings. Like, it's not as loud as Montreal. It's not as loud as Calgary. Big building in Calgary, though. Um, but it's a, it's a quaint building, so it doesn't take many people to make it fair. loud. Fair. Um, I don't know. I've had that place give me a lot of goosebumps over the years. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Uh, uh, well, listen how loud they were on opening night, right? Like, the, the play of the team dictates but, the energy. Yeah, and, and I think the, the case mm-hmm. is that, you know, the Leafs are past cheering on a, a game one win. Game you know? exactly. Yeah, um, that's, that's fair. But at the same time, you've paid the money for the 82 games. If if the team is doing something, and what was the score when Bowen was, was saying that? Does it, I don't know. Does it say? Because know. they're on the comeback trail, right? They ultimately came yeah. back. Um, Different level of expectations. It is. The two it teams. changes it a little bit, right? So, um, But, boy, that would be a nice problem to have. Uh, speaking of the Canucks on opening night at Rob the Hockey Guy, only 13% of bettors picked the Canucks to win their opener against the Oilers, according to DraftKings. I was one of the 13%. <clears throat> Thank you, thirteen percent market appreciation. Does that seem low to you? Yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, the betting line is set so that you hopefully get equal action on both. I sides. bet you, if you looked at regions, that would have been a lot higher in Vancouver. Like mm-hmm. some of the local betting companies here, a lot of money coming in Canucks money line just because mm-hmm. they were pretty good odds. Like I think it was plus one forty at puck drop. On top of all his incredible skill. As a social media manager and producer, he also has fantastic dexterity being able to pat himself on the back. Doesn't he, though? Mm -hmm. His wingspan. I have to take my wings when I get him. Incredible. But I get real quiet when I don't. Mm -hmm. At IOC Media, IOC Executive Board suspends Russian Olympic Committee with immediate effect. This happened a couple days ago. The Russians tried to take over an annex for Ukrainian regional sports authorities. Like, not even the Ukrainian IOC, Mm -hmm. but basically, like, provincial sports uh, federations. Yeah, like BC Hockey. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what got them this ban. Look at how ridiculous that is. So the IOC is going to consider neutral athletes from Russia for the Paris Summer Games next year and the Milano-Cartina Winter Games in 2026. But no anthems, no flags, and of course, no propaganda value for Vladimir Putin, if that's the case. Because you concerned yourself with regional sports authorities? It just seemed very nearsighted. I I don't know if I've fully decided on this. There's a lot of athletes that are just like, why are they coming at all? They should not be allowed at all. We've talked about this in the past. The rapprochement strategy with Russia and China and other states of, okay, if we can't talk to you, as if we can't find common ground politically, let's do so in the areas of art, culture, and sport because, you know, we got to talk yeah. somewhere. It hasn't worked. No. You know what worked? Banning the Springboks during South African apartheid. Mm. Yeah. They didn't get to see their national team, their beloved Springboks. And if you haven't seen the movie Invictus or the 
fantastic documentary, The 16th Man. Go out and, and see it. And it was young people in New Zealand protesting games between their beloved All Blacks in the Springboks that got that done. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you had nobody to play if you're the Springboks. And then, of course, Mandela steps in. They host the Rugby World Cup. That affected positive change. At NFL Rookie Watch, Russell Wilson's final stat line tonight. 13 of 22, 59%, 95 passing yards, one passing TD, two interceptions, a 46.6 passer rating. This is the first time Wilson has thrown for under 100 yards with two INTs in his career. We are truly witnessing the end of an era. The interception he threw into triple coverage last night in the first half, I was just, you never would have seen that in Seattle. And Sean Payton didn't really sugarcoat the performance no, much no. um well he was beside himself after that pick yeah. i mean russell of all people should i mean it's already bracketed coverage then the linebacker drops he throws it into his hands russell wilson to the jets and maybe aaron Rodgers go back the other way who says no um aaron Rodgers, i'm sure yeah aaron Rodgers I'd would just, I, could he block it i don't know well how much Money well, needs to be paid. Salary, How yeah. much money needs to be paid Russell Wilson after this year would be the question. Right? Well, and Rodgers go one more year as well. But it, it, you do wonder, because there's talk that Denver's going to trade their wide receiver, Jerry Judy. You do wonder whether Peyton has now looked at it and go, I can't win with this guy. Let's make the move. And if you're the Jets, you look at it and you go, you know, we've got this great defense. We need a little bit more quarterback play. Wilson's been better. Judy, Judy was seen um, dancing, entering the stadium, uh, to which people, uh, one tweet went viral saying he's looking pretty excited. In fact, I'm paraphrasing, looking pretty excited for a night where he's about to catch three balls for, wow. for 26 yards. He got three balls for, I think, 14 oh, wow. yards. Um, maybe he thinks it's his, maybe he knows it's his last home game. There. Yeah. Well, that was a, that was in KC, wasn't it? It was in KC. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it was. My bad. At Big Head Hockey, Columbus Blue Jackets center depth for tonight. Patrick Line, Boone Jenner, Adam Fantilli, Sean Corrali, extra Kent Johnson. Fresh off a 40-point season, Johnson's a healthy scratch in game one, and the Blue Jackets lose to visiting Philadelphia. Two things here. They're playing Line A at center. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah, well. And they're playing Cylinder on the wing, and, you know, Cylinder had a pretty good rookie year. Now, Johnson was drafted as a winger with a hope of becoming right. a center. Right, but that he was scratched, period, Grady. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That's a Babcockian move. Yeah, exactly, like Pascal Vincent. Vincent, I don't think, is any cuddly guy, by the way. Early on, he seems almost like a Babcock understudy in terms of player relations. Pascal, you have the example right there of how not to do it. Yeah. You got the gig because you're not that guy. And that's hashtags for today. Rinkwide Chef Patterson is at UBC, our Canucks reporter reporting. How are you, my friend? Yeah, doing well. Canucks skating and uh, jumping the jet, heading to Edmonton and off on this five-game road trip. So getting in a little skate here this morning and away they go. Our first chance to talk to you since the Connor Garland trade request. Jeff, what do you make of it? 
Yeah, I mean, the timing was uh, far from ideal, certainly, and he didn't want to play ball when we had the chance to talk to him on Tuesday. Uh, it looked like a guy that uh, wanted to play and play hard and open the scoring on Wednesday night, obviously, but uh, then didn't play an awful lot in that hockey game. You know, there's always moving parts here. You don't know all the factors. And again, we tried to pin Garland down about, uh, uh, you know, the truth and the accuracy of this and the reasons behind it. And again, he didn't want to talk about it. Kept talking about how his focus was on the game. And all I could think was, that's fine, but like, it's not easy to change agents the night before a season. Like, you can tell me you're focused, you're laser focused on the Oilers, but clearly some thought went into finding a new agent, the right agent, uh, making all of that happen. So, you know, again, hard to sort of take him at face value when he's trying to tell us that nothing to see here. I think there is something to see here. And we know that the Canucks have been trying to shop him for a while. If this is now him saying, fine, like, uh, I do want out. Um, You know, we'll see if the pastures are greener elsewhere. But uh, in terms of opportunities, I mean, hard to beat getting a chance to skate alongside Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko on the top line for the Vancouver Canucks. So, uh, you know, if he truly wants out, I think the best thing for him would just maximize this opportunity to play with Pettersson and see if that can't lubricate things. But ultimately, yeah. the, the contract remains an issue here. And if the Canucks have to retain, you know, there's a couple of things that come to mind. Fine. If they want to consummate a trade and move Connor Garland out, they have to replace him. Somebody's got to take that spot in the lineup. That person's going to have a contract as well. And if you're retaining money, like, it's not as simple as moving Garland out and just replacing him with Vasily Colson because they're not as good a hockey team uh, in the here and now. And this is supposed to be a team that wants to pick up where it left off the other night and use that as a springboard to a big season. So, again, lots of moving parts here. We know for the better part of a year they've been trying to move them with no takers. If they're willing to retain now, uh, perhaps that facilitates it. But ultimately, uh, there are other shoes to drop in terms of filling that spot in the lineup. And uh, how does that impla- impact the, the salary cap? Yeah, very well put, Jeff. I mean, maybe Garland was just finishing his summer business with the agent. Then he turned laser focus on the season. You're absolutely right about the winger depth and how to replace him. We're asking on the Bodog poll question, Garland with $1.5 million retained for Dante Fabro. Would you do that? And would you target a defense or would you target a replacement if you have to move him? Yeah, I mean, Fabro's interesting, a local guy, obviously, and we know that Nashville has a bunch of uh, defensemen, certainly. Uh, but again, it's not like Dontre Fabro comes here for free. He's got a contract, and uh, there's a price point involved there, so making it all make work and make sense, uh, you know, I, I do think that uh, certainly for the Canucks, they'd have to figure all of that out. They've been certainly looking to beef up the back end, so I think it makes sense on that level if they can get a player that they think they could plug and play, but it does weaken them up front. And again, Connor Garland you know, goes these long stretches between goals, and that's sort of been my issue with him in his time as a Canuck. You can't question his hustle and his effort and his determination and everything else, but he's making $5 bucks. You can't score on opening night and then go 15 or 20 games without the next one, and we've seen that uh, too often from him in his two years as a member of the Vancouver Canucks. So... Uh, I, I'm looking forward, as long as he's here and he's in the lineup, you know, how does he build off what he accomplished on opening night? I know he didn't play a lot in the third period, so his ice time was diminished there. But, uh, no, I, I think if you're the Canucks and in a perfect world you can move this player, uh, I think it makes perfect sense that you would try to target uh, the defense and, and try to continue to chip away at rebuilding uh, that as they have here through the offseason. 
I, I would be way more in favor of the Canucks uh, trading for a player. Let's let's say like a Dante Fabro, but then rather than retaining salary, take on a bad contract that Nashville has that might ex, uh, that might expire before these three years are up with Connor Garland, because of course they've got to start accommodating for those big years of OEL dead cap hits coming right. up down the road. To me, that seems like a, a better claim. Although that's the problem with retention. Yeah, yeah. I, I look at the, the Nashville setup, and there's really nobody that I think they would be that would fit that category. But you know, if you find somebody in that in that space, that might be better to take on. You know, take your lumps here in year one. Uh, for the savings that you might get here in year two and three on that on that contract, but of course, um, easier said than done in today's uh, trade market. Uh, let's get the lowdown on what you saw at practice today, and that is, I, I was surprised that Thatcher Demko was there. I thought they'd just give him another day to get right, but there he is on the ice, and and I don't know that he got put through the the paces necessarily because they had the practice goalie as well, Jeff. But were you surprised just to see the whites of his eyes? Yeah, without knowing what kind of recovery day he had yesterday. Come on, they gave him 12 minutes off there on Wednesday night. He should be fine and ready to go. Uh, but yeah, without having had the benefit of talking to him, I, I think like I hear where you're going, Blake. And if there was any reason to think that you know he was still really fighting the flu bug, then yeah, give him another day off and get a morning skate in in Edmonton, and it's a you know eight o'clock local time plus whatever opening ceremonies. They have uh, ahead of the Oilers' home opener, so it's going to be a late start there. You know, just that much more time for him to rest and recover. But we had heard this in the offseason, and I think this is great. Uh, first practice after the win, they had Thursday off, and they've got a practice goalie on the ice. And, you know, even if that means Demko faces, you know, fewer reps in practice, it just it makes sense that you're going to use this guy, you're going to lean on him an awful lot. Why not reduce the wear and tear on your uh, stud goaltender early in the season? So uh, the practice goalie was out early facing shots with Ilya Mikheyev and Carson Soucy before practice and then joined the group. And it was interesting because Demko was out with the practice goalie. And I thought, wow, they got a practice goalie, but there's no Casey DeSmith. But DeSmith was one of the last guys on the ice. So, yes, two the two regular goaltenders plus uh, the third goaltender out there. And I just think that makes perfect sense. And, again, these are you know little small incremental items but in the big picture over 82 games I think it can all add up that you know it was the right call to get Demko out the other night if he wasn't feeling well there was no reason uh, to stick with him same thing with Garland you know Quinn Hughes plays under 22 minutes the other night Uh, again I I like that in the third period you don't need Quinn Hughes logging big minutes and then here at the first practice since their win they've got a practice goaltender on the ice reducing the workload and sort of some load management uh, in the early going here this season so it's good to see that the organization is true to its word that this was something that they had floated during the offseason and I just think it makes perfect sense to uh, reduce whatever you can in the way of workload for Thatcher Demko who is likely to be really busy here out of the game. I understand Carson Soucy looks pretty good out there today, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, it's been one week since that final preseason game against the Calgary Flames when he wrenched his knee, got tangled up with Jaeger Sharangovich, and we knew that he had been skating, but this was the first time that I'd had a chance to see him. Uh, was out early, as I said, with Mikheyev, and he was being put through his paces by the skills coach and didn't appear to be holding back, uh, you know, skating laps and uh, looked pretty mobile, and I thought maybe that was going to be it for him. Maybe that was his workout for the day, but uh, then he and McKay have both stayed out in non-contact jerseys and were full participants in practice. Now the Canucks uh, only have six healthy defensemen right now. Susie's an extra body at this stage, so uh, in terms of you know his readiness for game action, I'd be surprised 
wearing a non-contact jersey the day, the day before a game, if he's ready to play in the rematch against the Oilers, but he certainly looks like a guy that is going to be traveling with this team out on a five-game road trip, and I would think that you'll see him here uh, in the next week at some point. But we'll get an update uh, from the head coach and get a little better indication. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the way that he got tangled up last week, and then they said week to week, you know, I was prepared to buy into that. It looked like it had the potential to be a fairly significant knee injury. And so this is uh, it represents a ton of progress for Carson Soucy to be back uh, with his group at a practice here uh, one week later. 12 forwards, dare to dream. Uh, that's kind of nice, although it means no Ted Bluger uh, because uh, Jack Stanika is there, and it looks like they'll probably have to use this uh, this free player uh, under the uh, under the rules of the National Hockey League. No cap hit for Jack Stanika, but uh, at least they get the full amount of skaters, it looks like. Yeah, which will make life uh, easier for the coaching staff. Won't have to uh, you know try to figure out who's going to go out over the boards next when you're down to 11 forwards, and Dakota Joshua got in that early fight, and so for a while there they were down to 10 forwards and we know Garland left in the third so there were a ton of moving parts on Wednesday night Studica on a line with Sam Lafferty in the middle and Niels Hoaglander at practice so I think that is your fourth line heading into Edmonton on Saturday night I was a little curious uh, whether Lafferty would stay in the middle he did not have a particularly good night in the face-off circle uh, struggled there mightily on the penalty kill as well I mean there were some nice signs from Sam Lafferty but uh, I think the minute Teddy Bluger is back, he'll be the center on that line and Lafferty will slide out to the wing. But uh, in the absence of Teddy Bluger, and it's funny, not funny in the sense that it's uh, humorous, but when both Bluger and Susie got injured last Friday night, you know, to the eye, Susie looked like the guy that was in more distress and Bluger suffered what was a pretty standard, you know, block a shot, uh, bruised foot, shake it off and you'll be okay for opening night. And then obviously he wasn't in the lineup then and not in practice here. So uh, this has turned out to be more than a week for Teddy Bluger and uh, no sign of him at all before the practice and certainly not with the group. So don't know about his availability here moving forward. Is he going to have to catch up with the team somewhere out on the road trip? But uh, in the absence of Teddy Bluger, uh, yeah, Sam Lafferty is going to stick around as the center on that line. I thought maybe Stadika might slide to the middle, and it's possible if Lafferty continues to struggle with faceoffs that Stadika could get an opportunity. But Jack Stadika very much living day to day as an emergency recall in the National Hockey League right now. And we talked about it, guys, with that little spread out games on the road. It's actually that's a good thing for Ted Bluger and for for them trying to get Susie back too. Is that um, even if it takes a couple of extra days, that might only mean you know, one game that they miss. Yeah, and that's when that schedule came out, you thought, okay, they start at home, and then, boy, out on the road for five. They always have these early road trips, but this one is a little different. Usually, when you go out on a five-gamer, there's a back-to-back in there somewhere just to tighten it up, to compress the travel and everything else. But here, there are days off between all of these games. And, in fact, after Saturday in Edmonton, they don't play until Tuesday now uh, in Philadelphia in that game that's been bumped up an hour, so a 3 o'clock Pacific time puck drop due to baseball and the fact that uh, the parking lot uh, in and around Wells Fargo and the, I mean one of the great North American sporting destinations is that whole area in Philadelphia with the football, baseball, and and hockey rinks uh, sharing parking lots. So uh, they go Tuesday, they go on, uh, they go Saturday in Edmonton, they go Tuesday in Philadelphia, and then days off uh, the rest of the way. And so yeah, you know if it's Thatcher Demko and he's going to play all of them. Uh, that certainly will help with his workload and his rest. And then for the injured guys, you're right. Uh, they're not playing three and four right off the hop here uh, you know, to start the road trip. Dan Murphy joining us here on Sakarison Price alongside Jeff Patterson or behind Jeff Patterson, as the case may be, from UBC. We had talked about it on Rick White on Wednesday, Jeff. 
And Rick Tockett um, said in the postgame Wednesday that he was likely going to have to split up Hughes and Hronick because he doesn't have last change. And yet there they were practicing together today. So what do you think? Is the head coach throwing Edmonton a little bit of a curveball there? Or are they just going to go back to Hughes and Roenick? How do you see that meeting out tomorrow? Yeah, my hunch is that they'll start the game that way. But ultimately, Jay Woodcroft has last change and has the luxury of attacking the Canucks defense with Dreisaitl and McDavid or splitting those two up and forcing the Canucks to try to counterbalance there. So a little bit of a cat and mouse game, a little bit of chess early on in this season, but I think they really liked what they saw. I do think the one luxury that Rick Tockett has here right now is that Philip Ronick has been outstanding through the preseason and again the other night. And if he has to hold down and you know be the uh, the anchor, if you will, on uh, a pairing on his own, I, I think he has shown that uh, he's off to a really nice start here. Uh, the thing that we have talked though repeatedly about that is we still have never seen Quinn Hughes and Ian Cole. Uh, through camp, through the preseason, and if you move away from Hughes and Moronic, I would assume that Ian Cole is probably the guy that's going to get the opportunity to skate with Quinn Hughes. So uh, if you're going to experiment by fire in-game against the Edmonton Oilers, that doesn't seem like the ideal time to see if you could forge some chemistry there. So I think they liked an awful lot of what Hughes and Moronic, and they were out a lot with Miller and his line against McDavid. And, you know, pretty much threw a blanket over him, forced him to defend, spent more the night in his own zone than he's used to and than he likes to do. And I kind of feel the Canucks are going to go with the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. But, again, the Oilers have last change. They're going to be motivated. Uh, hard to believe that McDavid and Dreisaitl at even strength could be any quieter than they were on Wednesday night. So I think the Canucks have to be ready for the Oilers really to come out at them and show that what happened on Wednesday isn't going to happen very often throughout the season. Yeah, it, it ain't broke now, but uh, that's yeah. a team that can break things. No, I know. So. Uh, Cole <laughs> and Hughes may be the white whale here, uh, Jeff. And uh, for those listening on podcast, Dan Murphy was on the camera shot. Yes, mugging behind. Mm. Yeah, uh, marvelous stuff, Jeff. Thank you for this. We'll catch up on Monday. All right, sounds good, guys. Rank wide tomorrow, Blake and Jeff after the Oilers and Canucks. Harrison Price from Wall Center, presentation Apple at Auto Group. You can text us, 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. So Phillies beat Atlanta. Canadian manager Rob Thompson over Canadian general manager Alex Anthopoulos in that one. Mm. Philadelphia, Arizona in the NLCS. I mean, who would have... Who would have bought that? I forget the Diamondbacks exist. Yeah, no, honestly, there's there's not many franchises in the big four that are lower profile than Arizona. Uh, Four home runs in 11 games for the Phillies. Nick Castellanos with a moonshot yesterday. And and did you hear he did it again, Castellanos? Of course. Back-to-back games with multi-homers. Right. But... There's a drive from Castellanos. Oh, yes. Has become. I had to tweet that out. Right. <laughs> that was Tom Brenneman, the play by play man for the Cincinnati Reds, as he was coming back from a break where a hot mic caught, caught him. Um, where a hot mic caught him 
uh, using a derogatory term. Mm. And in the midst of his apology, Nick Castellanos hit a home run, then playing for the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, this is old, right? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. But during this series, the broadcast crew was doing an item on someone who had recently passed. And, of course, as you know, Blake, there's a more somber tone during that. In the middle of that story, Castellanos had another home run. Oh, gosh. So He loves to muddy up a home so run call. The, you know, the, the moral here is that for the producers of these live broadcasts, you don't want that item during a Castellanos at bat. No. He'll make the you do the awkward turn. The, the as awkward we turn because yeah. you know the game is the biggest story. Yeah, right. No matter what you have planned as your sidebars and your elements to the broadcast. Bodog poll question from yesterday: Is this the year Brock Besser scores thirty goals? Yes, no, or forty? What won the poll? Yes, Indeed. won the poll percentage. Uh, seventy-eight, seventy-nine. Very good. No got eleven percent. Forty got ten percent. A lot of people encouraging. And I guess it's us, but I think Canucks fans at large, you know, pump the brakes here. One game. Ron, holy crap. Some Vancouver fans jumped the gun. He looked great, but it was one game. Pucker Glenn, pumping the brakes. Just want the poor bugger to score without the added pressure. I'm sure Brock Besser is uh, checking the S&P timeline for poll questions. Yes. Yeah. You, th- uh, you think you he's know. wondering? You think he's at oh, home? Oh, absolutely. Rallying his friends going, can we get this to 80%? That was my quote tweet was I said, yeah, my answer is yes, but shh, don't tell him. Ah. You don't want to jinx it. Guy says if he stays healthy, he might have a shot at 40, playing the bumper spot on the power play. and It's not quite as in a fixed bumper spot, at least no. in one game in the preseason. Yeah. There's a lot more movement there, and he's... Seems to be a little lower down more often than not. I can't wait to see where he is on December the 1st. I think we, we yeah. l- let's see what the first two months brings. If he's at well, like 13 goals there, hey, then he's as rolling. Saravelli said to us, you know, a quarter season, you know, Kenny Holland, American Thanksgiving. You, you sort of know who you are and what yeah. you're not a couple of months into the year. Uh, Matt says very likely he can get 26 and 81 now. He looks like a weight was off his shoulders. Happy for him. You say 26 and 81. Let's get him to play 75 games before you're counting. Yeah, that's the other thing. There were many in the comments going, Brock's trick is to stay healthy because that has been an issue. Yeah. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. Oh, boy. Oh. Somebody's falling on their sword early. I forgot to get PJ's Canucks prediction. I've been bad at that. PJ and Faber, I missed them both. Shame. And then... We said Mathieu Chouanier was going to start for the Canadian national team because the information coming out of the press conference with the coach was that he was going to start. Then he didn't start. No. So those are the two errors I've got. Grady, you have uh, something, do you? Yeah, a bit of an error on my part. It wasn't on the show per se, but uh, yesterday I was in a bit of a rush to leave in the morning, getting my lunch in order. Thinking I was grabbing some leftover ham from Thanksgiving, but turns out it was raw chicken. So I brought raw chicken to work and yesterday. Thankfully, you took it back home. I'm yes. just so glad we don't have a microwave in here because Grady is the guy oh, who would be putting all chicken. sorts of awful stuff in the microwave. Would you? And would you microwave fish in the microwave if we had one here? If it was cooked already, just a little reheat. Oh my gosh! Now Matt says that. But when I have food here, he's always coming over. Oh, what's that? What's that? What you got there? 
picking at this, picking at that. Picking at it? Yeah, I've no, seen it done. I've seen it done. Shit. I've seen it done with my own eyes. Wow. May have not been it's my aggressive. food, but somebody else's. Perhaps an intern. Oh. Wow. Throwing you under the bus. Well, it's good Greek food. <laughs> oh, you I... ate intern's lunch? No, I didn't eat his lunch. You bullied um, him and just took his lunch? You had to sample one of the chips they had once. I... Also, more on the um, discussion yesterday about Bigfoot. Oh, gosh. Quick mm-hmm. change of topic there. Yeah. Well, I mean, from your disgusting eating habits oh, and raw chicken. Wow. Top rope. We needed to turn. So uh, I didn't have it at hand yesterday, Blake. But one of the prevailing theories on, I remember I told you about an ancient sort of primate-like species that, you know, looked human-like? Yes, yes. Gigantopithecus is the name of the species that we think is extinct, but is it possible that some of them survived? And then there's the other explanation, Blake, feral humans. Feral humans. Feral humans. As I mentioned to you, History's Greatest Mysteries has done an episode recently on Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. And one of the prevailing theories is feral humans, hermits, who are living in the wilderness. There were stories in the 1980s of psychologically damaged Vietnam veterans who just went out and lived in the woods and ate what they killed. There was the story... In the 1800s in America, of an escaped slave who lived in the woods on his own for 13 years between contact with human beings. So there's a lot of theories on Bigfoot, some of which I think have a little bit of grounding or plausible. Again, of all the supernatural that I want to believe in, it's, it's near the bottom of the power rankings. Time for Blake's Bodog line of the day. You know what would be supernatural? Him getting one of these rights. Are you kidding me? I've been red hot lately. At least somebody is around here. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds, who you like, what you got. And and uh, this serves two purposes, a chance to make some money, but also a chance to uh, get some help for the Whitecaps. Galaxy and Real Salt Lake in this weird mini match day this weekend for Major League Soccer. Three games tomorrow. Galaxy already out of the playoffs. You're thinking not much to play for, but no, they're at home. They want to They want to still entertain the fans that are showing up. Galaxy at home, the visiting Real Salt Lakeans are decimated by injury. Decimated. And they got Justin Glad suspended after his red card last week. Take the home side at plus 145, make some money, and then watch Real Salt Lake get put into a uh, position of chase going into de- decision day. Should we just E&O this right now? What's that? It's a Salt Laker. I know. A Salt Lakian sounds better, though. No, it doesn't. It does. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us and Rankwide wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.